It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Welcome to Postcast tonight, where the Utah Jazz have fallen 113-104 to to the Portland Trailblazers. This is Locked On Jazz. Postcast comes to you after each and every single Jazz game. So subscribe to Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, on your iTunes, your Android device, or however you get this. It's also available for you at 1280thezone.com each after each and every game as well. David Locke along with Ron Boone. We're joined tonight by NBA expert ESPN insider Kevin Kelton, our special guest. He's the only guy we let do this with us, isn't he? You know, he should be honored. Really? Yeah. He will be. You know, I, I, I really think he should be honored. Are you honored? I am honored. Thank you. Good answer. So the Jazz fall 113-104. Let's start with the ugly first. It's 99 all with five minutes left. I then bring up the unfortunate history of the last two years where the Jazz have lost 52 games in which they have been within five with five minutes left. And they don't hold on again tonight. Now on the road against Dame is awfully tough, but it was a similar story. The offense bogged down and the defense couldn't get stops. What did you see in the final five minutes, Ron? Well, what I saw was, as you mentioned, you thought they were a little tired. I just thought they took a little bit too much time trying to get to a spot. Uh, in particular, they wanted to take advantage of Joe Johnson. He had, was having one heck of a second half, and in particular, one heck of a fourth quarter there as well. But I thought also that Portland Trailblazers made a little adjustment there as well, you know, with Ed Davis quickly coming from the weak side of the floor and Damian Lillard releasing uh, and going to the weak side of the floor so they didn't have that mismatch. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, the same thing that uh, Ron mentioned. And, you know, I think if you had more time to kind of adjust there, there are things you can do to take advantage of that. But, you know, we saw, I think, I don't know if it's mental or physical fatigue, but it really kind of degenerated into pounding the ball as opposed to swinging it and trying to take advantage of that rotation that you're putting the Blazers into. Now, on the other side of the story is that this is the first time we've seen the newfound Jazz. We saw it without Gordon Hayward. We saw it without Derek Favors. We saw it without Alec Burks. And I have to say, if you told me that without those three guys that the Blazers were going to shoot 52% from the field, hit 13 of 19 threes, have an effective field goal percentage well over 60%, and go 22 of 22 from the free throw line, and this game was going to be tied with five minutes left, I would have thought you were insane. So in a lot of ways, as, as painful as losses are, this game shows me everything that had people excited about this team. Well, I totally agree, um, but the Jazz had some veteran players out there on the floor, uh, some experienced players out there on the floor, and they're unable to close it out. Uh, there's something to be said about that, but putting themselves in this position, I, I, I think there's a confidence builder. Some coaches will say <laughs> it's not, but it is a confidence builder, I, I think, for for this team, knowing that you know they got three players out that put a lot of minutes on the floor. Joe Johnson took his Rolls Royce onto the floor here at Moda Center and was cool as could be tonight and just took the game over and forced the entire game 
to play at his speed, his pace, using control. He scored 27 second-half points, which is the fourth most second-half points he's ever scored in his entire career. Yeah, I think you said it well. I mean, he really looked like he was out there in the gym just kind of working on his game in the summer. Like, you didn't know that there was an NBA game going on around him. He's just kind of patiently backing down, getting where he knows he needs to be to make that shot, you know, whether it's a turnaround or the hook or or whatever it is. And, you know, Damian Lillard, we've talked about this in the past, he's a pretty good post defender, all things considered, but was just too small. Johnson was putting him in the goal. And that, and then there was the play where I don't think that I'm not sure the Jazz made it, but there were one or two kickouts out of the post for threes when they suddenly brought someone down. And you know, when you start being able to create those type of opportunities, Joe Johnson, the post becomes a beast. Well, uh, I totally like the adjustment that that uh, Coach Snyder made with Joe Johnson. He did knock down a three. Uh, Boris Diaw, I, I thought, played a solid ball game, but there was there was just something missing with him that that. Um, I would probably expect them just a little bit more as far as passing the basketball. But, again, David, this is just a confident builder, I, I think, for the Jazz. They played very, very well. The Jazz had to expend a lot of energy in order to, to stay in this basketball game. They had three guys play over 35 minutes. And uh, now whether that should make a difference this early in the year, those guys, you, you would think not. But, you know, late in the year you would think, okay, he's a little tired, but – I don't know if that really made that much difference. I would go the other way. I would think they'd be more tired now just because none of them have played more than 20-some-odd minutes in a preseason game, and you just haven't gone that long, and you haven't had to chase. Particularly George Hill, I thought, was tired. He hasn't. He's guarding Damian Lillard for 39 minutes tonight off every pick imaginable, uh, and then I just thought lost his legs late in the game. But George Hill showed a side to the Jazz we haven't had at the point guard position since Darren Williams in the first half of this game. They worked that high pick-and-roll, putting – Gobert in the pick, knowing the Blazers are going to drop back, giving George Hill open room to work, and and he really had a he had a fabulous first half of this game. Yeah, seven for eighteen from the field. He had six assists, but great floor game. And again, as you just mentioned, having to chase someone like Damian Lillard off screens, running off screens. I mean, you get multiple screens. You're getting banged. You're getting hit. You know that does wear wear on you after a while. And maybe he get a little tired, but. It's just awfully hard when you know a guy's going to put up 30 shots or 25, 28, 29 shots a game, and, and you have to run off screens. Uh, but the Jazz did a pretty good job of taking advantage of, of Damon Lillard there as well. Kevin, what else jumped out to you, Mike? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've kind of been talking around it, but the fact that the bench struggled so much without the, the guys that you're expecting to be a part of the bench. I mean, Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw, when you envisioned what this roster and this rotation was going to look like, they were part of that second unit. And, you know, if Joe Johnson's there is the anchor to that, it looks a lot different. But in the meantime, well, Gordon Hayward and Derek Favors are out of the lineup and Alec Burks is still out. You know, Quinn Snyder's going to have to try to find a way, whether it's getting two starters in there with the reserves or what what that takes to try to generate a little bit more offense so you don't have to log such heavy minutes with the starters out there. Well, the Jazz bench outscored the Blazers, I think it was 25-14 in the first quarter. Then by the halftime, the Jazz were down by eight. The starters took the Jazz right back up and not trying to zero in on Dante Exum at all, but just to try to give it an idea of the, of the importance tonight. Dante Exum played eight minutes and 20 seconds. And in those eight minutes and 20 seconds, the Jazz were outscored by 18 points. I'm not saying that's Dante's fault, but that's just trying to give you an understanding of then why George Hill came back in the game and had to play. Dante was playing the two for a lot of that. Shel- uh, Shelvin Mack 
minus 9. Trey Lyles minus 11. Joe Ingles minus 9. The Jazz starters were able to kind of hold their own uh, in this ball game, and, and that kind of takes us right back to where we were uh, a year ago. The other one tonight is Rudy Gobert. Uh, 12 points, 14 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks. The pre 41 minutes, uh, the, the preseason Rudy Gobert came back to work tonight. And we talked about him possibly averaging a double-double. I tell you, that double-double just looked easy tonight. I mean, he's going to get 10 or more rebounds. And I think just uh, around the basket, he's going to be able to average 10 points or more in, in the bargain. That double-double is, is probably, uh, you can seal that for the most part. So I had only seen him, I think the game in Portland, maybe watched a little bit of uh, another preseason game on television. And what really stood out to me was the body control around the basket. So the ability first to make the catch off balance and then to, to frequently finish, go up and finish with power. That was all very encouraging to see from Gobert in terms of him really being a legitimate offensive threat. Jazz were tied at 99 with five minutes left, and the Blazers win at 113-104. A lot of focus will be on that. The big picture is probably without Hayward, Favors, and Burks, you didn't really expect to be tied at 99 with five minutes left. But the Jazz were, and I think that shows you all the positives of where this season uh, has the potential to go. Jazz fall against a very good Portland team. And Damian Lillard is in a final thing we're going to talk about tonight. 39 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He said the other day that he wants to be an MVP. Kevin Calabro, the new TV voice for the Blazers, was talking with Terry Stotts about it before the game. And Terry finally turned to Kevin and said, you know what, this guy set a lot of standards for himself that people didn't think he could do, and he has yet to miss. Uh, tonight would make you believe he can be an MVP candidate. I, he's had higher scoring games. He's had more important games, you know, certainly in the playoffs. But I don't know if I've ever seen Damian Lillard play a better all-around offensive game, scoring game, than he did tonight. You know, 13-20 from the field, 75% effective field goal percentage in this game. Uh, he's making the pull-up threes. He's getting to the basket and finishing over Rudy Gobert, which is no no easy task. Uh, he, he's improved his finishing a lot over the course of his career, but this is as well as I've ever seen him do it in terms of protecting the ball from that shot blocker and finding the angles to finish around the basket. Your thoughts on Dame? Well, as, as Kevin just said, I really like him going to the basket. I'm, I was so surprised at his ability to, time and time again, to get his shots off with Rudy. Uh, like I said before, I, I remember a, a player, like Tiny Archibald, years ago, and I think Tiny might be a Hall of Famer, that was so good at that as well. I mean, he would shoot over Kareem. Anyone that challenged him, he was so good at getting his shots off around the basket. And, and Damian... Is, is that way as well. Sometimes he puts the ball, goes off, and puts the ball off the glass early, which means he's taken off about five feet away, putting it high off the glass. But for the most part, he did go right up the chest there of, of Rudy and, and was, was able to score. I'm very impressed with his game. I remember his first year when he came into the league, David. You could tell during preseason that he was going to be a special player, and they were on the fast track of making him that because they kept him on the floor quite a bit in preseason. So he's uh, he's he's. Uh, he, Let's see, who was Clyde Drexler making an impact on the city as, as much as Damian Lillard, you think? I mean, Brandon Roy, he's probably going to surpass Roy, I think, because he'll have a longer career. But uh, what we're talking Blazers history, I mean, you know, this came up on the broadcast, but the 16th consecutive home opening win, the, the longest streak in NBA history, and having been here for, I, I think, all of the last nine of those, there's been some really good teams that have come in here and lost to the Blazers on opening night. The Jazz are some, some solid company there. 
Jazz fall tonight, 113-104. Dame was brilliant. Jazz were very good. We'll be home Friday against the Lakers. Thanks for tuning in to Postcast Locked on Jazz. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning as well, each and every morning for you here on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to hear more, you can go to Locked On Blazers with Eric Garcia-Gunderson and hear their side of the story. This has been Postcast, Jazz Fall 113-104. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.